0: No one said this was easy and and when you see someone get somewhere faster than you and you feel like you're working harder than them, it's discouraging. And you're like, maybe they are really better than me or like, maybe I am not that good and stuff like that. Because let's be honest, like you have to fuel your ego a little bit to get far. Like you have to believe you're a good artist and convince yourself you're the next big thing, which is also hard to do.
1: Welcome to the Mike Squires and Friends podcast. I'm your host Mike Squires and today we are joined by my friend Ryan Oaks. Today, we're talking to Ryan about signing his record deal after 10 years in the music industry, the power of consistency, and advice that artists can take into their own career. Don't forget to support us by subscribing on YouTube or giving us a follow or review on your preferred podcast platform. So thank you for holding me down and showing your support. Now sit back and enjoy the episode. Welcome back on the... (laughs) this is the third time we're doing this intro, but... Welcome back on the East Coast, Ryan.
0: I appreciate it. How's tour been, dude? It's been fantastic. Uh, You know, when you go into tours like an opener, you never know if it's going to translate or if the bands are opening for their fans will like you. But this has been better than I could have imagined. Huge shout out to Don Broco and the home team for having me. Last day tonight, hopefully going out with a bang. And yeah, just excited to
1: get back on the next one. I heard that you had some van troubles last night. Yeah, our van died
0: in New York City Um, in Manhattan past midnight, we had to figure out how to get our car working, but our front of house basically took a wrench and like hit whatever the starter was on the bottom of the van, like literally was just beating it and it turned back on and we got to Connecticut. We're going to get
1: to Boston tonight. So (laughs) we'll see what happens. You made a tweet the other day that most artists don't hit their prime until their thirties. Yes. And I kind of wanted you to elaborate on that because I thought that was an interesting thing that you said because... There's a lot of artists that get dis- discouraged and quit before that. I mean, I don't know if it's true. It was like kind of just word vomit.
0: But basically the point behind that being, one, a lot of the people I'm seeing blow up online right now are actually in their 30s. Like you have your Nick D's, who I'm sure everyone here knows and is familiar with. Prof, who's like near his 40s at this point. Webby's having a good run in his mid-30s. Like... It was more so just because I see people get super stressed and even sometimes me sometimes where I'm just like you kind of feel like you're getting older and it makes you nervous because like all the labels and A&Rs and all these people are always looking for like the hot young kid that's like going to blow up and they think is going to be amazing or like had had a moment on TikTok. And then they throw them on stage and they don't know how to perform because they're not artists yet. They haven't developed like they don't know who they are. They don't know what they stand for. They don't know their branding like all that stuff has taken me. 11 plus years to start to figure out. And I'm 28 now. And it was more so just me like reminding myself that you don't have to have an age limit, even though it feels like it for music anymore, especially with the internet and TikTok and stuff. Um, So like if you're still in your mid-20s or late 20s and you're just now getting your stride, like you're probably on track still was the point.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that gets me curious, like what specific pressures have you faced, you know, coming up over the last 10 years?
0: It's more so. Self pressure. A lot of it like that tweet for sure was just me reminding myself that like I'm not running out of time and I do feel like I'm still getting better as an artist and that all that that's all that really matters is like you versus you. But obviously, you know, this as an independent artist, we were just fighting uphill against the music industry for our spot. Um I got my spot, which is great, but it was a very big grind. I basically just opted to outwork everybody sit there on hours, on hours, on hours on YouTube University, just, like, Googling the TikTok algorithm and stuff like that, trying to figure out how to beat it, and then this year we figured it out, and we got a lot of momentum, and I would say, like, this probably isn't my biggest streaming year, which is interesting, but it's definitely the year where I've gotten the most exposure and, like, the most fans, which is something people should keep in mind, that... The Internet is great, but if you go out and do this stuff in real life like tour or you get a lot of momentum on a social media app and you're getting thousands of people following you a day like that is very much just as important as getting Spotify streams. You know what I mean? Um, So it's been interesting and it's been an eye opening year for me, too, in that sense. But yeah, just fighting uphill against the music industry till I finally signed a record deal a year ago. And now it's just like playing the industry games, I guess, would be the new obstacles, like navigating the music industry and all the people in it. Um, but I have no complaints. Things are going well. So,
1: Yeah, you brought up an interesting thing because streaming isn't the say-all, be-all. I know a lot of artists strive for streaming, but touring something that you have to build up too. And yeah. that's something I see that you're doing right now. Yeah. So how's that been? I
0: mean, it's like we were talking about earlier. It's like its own beast, which is interesting because a lot of people are showing up to these shows thinking I'm the headliner because I stream better but they're, they're selling like 1500 tickets a night. Like it's pretty ridiculous. So it's just another thing to keep in mind that like, maybe your music is going to translate better live and that's great. And that's its own business. And you should build that. And that's what I'm working on because again, the internet's cool, but it's just fighting algorithms and all this stuff that really doesn't have much to do with building a fan base, I would say streaming now. Um, Everyone just cares about big streaming numbers, whether or not it's coming from a computer or a playlist and not real fans. And I'm trying to focus on building real fans at this point. And I think the best way you can do that is to just get on the road, throw a kick-ass show, make sure everyone has a good time, and it translates really well I'm learning on this tour. So definitely recommend it.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's something that all artists have to do. And that makes me curious, like, did you have a game-changing moment in your career that you just realized, oh, this is happening and I'm doing this full time. Yeah, it's
0: there's been like a couple. So like when I first moved to L.A. seven years ago, I only had like a few thousand dollars to my name and was like, I have three months of rent to try to make some crazy plays and make it happen. And then the first day I landed in L.A., my song Drinking About You just exploded like no explanation, like mysteriously. I wouldn't even say it really went viral, but it just went from like a couple hundred streams a day to like 10,000 a day and then 20,000 a day and then 30,000 a day and then it starts paying your bills. Uh, Not to a crazy extent, but just enough to get by in LA. So I was able to cruise off that for literally a couple years, which is crazy. And while that was happening, I was trying to figure everything else out and I did. And then the streaming stuff took off and then the streaming started paying my bills. Um, But once you get to like... That level, you're always like, what's the next thing? And then the next thing was me like, do I want to sign? Do I want to take part in the music industry? And I kind of shied away from it for a few years. And then after taking like a lot of meetings last year, because I did have a TikTok moment, I kind of was like, "Eh, you meet with these people and they just kind of give you the illusion that like they want you because you had a good TikTok, which was what the music industry was doing last year. And then... Lo and behold, Position Music comes along. They're a new label with like great investors and, and great money and all this stuff. And they basically were just like, we want you to be our guinea pig. And I was like, the deal's right. Everything's right. Let's do it. And we inked it literally a year ago last week. And it's been an interesting ride, like learning how to navigate the music industry. And now you're just like, okay, I signed the deal. So what's the next big thing? I don't know yet. I haven't figured it out, but I will.
1: What's been the big difference between being independent and being with your label?
0: I don't have like the full industry experience just because basically in my deal, it was like, let me do whatever I want kind of thing. So that's cool when you build that leverage and you can do stuff like that, which is honestly what I was waiting for. Um, for example, I can release once a month still, which most record labels would never let you do in a million years. Cause they always think you need to wait like six to eight weeks for the playlisting, which I don't agree with at all. Um, I get to drop a music video every month. Like they're funding my TikToks and my content. They're very much level headed and know what the new era of music is like, which I feel like a lot of labels aren't on board with yet. Um, so it's been good for me just in the aspect that I had momentum to get the leverage I needed to be able to do what I want. But I mean, it's been great so far. It's hard to complain when they can't tell me no, basically yeah. in my deal. So it's great.
1: you know, another question for a lot of artists out there, I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions with labels. What do you think some of the biggest misconceptions that artists have towards labels I think the biggest thing is an
0: artist will sign to a label and be like, I'm good. I don't need to do the work anymore. Like the label will take care of it. I'll just make the music, which I disagree with now. Um, if anything, your label can blow you up, but I would say the most progress is going to come from yourself. Like I signed a record deal and then I, this could be idiotic, but like I'm investing my advance. I got on top of my labels. So it's like a double deal basically, Um, so I basically like double or nothing did on myself kind of, but you know, if you don't want to do that, that's cool. But like, all I really care about is this. So like, if I run out of money, I'll just figure out another way to get money and keep doing it. Um, which is an interesting mindset that I think not a lot of people have, but, um, yeah, just like the misconception that like your label can blow you up, which is true in some cases, if you have a really good team. And I'm not saying that isn't the case, but it's probably better to double down as an artist and make sure you're putting in the work on top of that because then you get double the results. Like,
1: I think it's smart that you're investing your money and betting on yourself, you know? It's a scary thing to do for a lot of artists, but a lot of the time that's how you get to the next level. Yeah. So another thing I want to talk about is you have some incredible collabs. I know some more recent, but I want to talk about one that's a little bit older, dude. Okay. <laughs> dude, you got a song with Jack Harlow, dog. Oh, yeah, I do. Uh, so that's a crazy
0: story. Basically, he went as Mr. Harlow before he was Jack Harlow. Um, And when I was like 17, I think I had three or four songs out. And I was just like, how do artists like get big? And I was like, oh, they make songs with other artists. So like, I found him. I found Arizona Zervas, who became one of my really good friends for a very long time. Uh, and I basically just hit him up. And he was like, Jack Harlow's a couple years younger than us. So he was maybe like 14. And he was still popping on YouTube as a rapper, dude. I remember finding this video of him just, like, rapping on a toilet, and it was, like, mega viral on YouTube, and I was like, I want this kid on my song, and we made this song, man, I forget what the title was called, because you can look it up on YouTube and it's still there, um, oh, it's called Hold It Down, featuring Mr. Harlow, if you want to go listen to it, um, it's on YouTube only, but... Yeah, you never really bank on these people becoming superstars like that. I mean, I saw it when we made that song when he was 14, but I never could have guessed it would, like, blossom into what he is today, obviously.
1: Yeah, no, it's really incredible to see when an artist, like, you know, from their starting to how they evolve over time. I want to talk to you about some of your other collabs too, maybe some of the more recent ones. Uh, We could talk about the song that you have with State Champs, and what was the inspiration for that cover art, man? (laughs) <laughs> Mike
0: made it, if you didn't know. um, Yeah, I mean, it was just, like, post, you know, COVID and all that, and it felt like the world was on fire. So we had the world was on fire kind of cover meme thing that you came up with. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, the, the inspiration was just, like, burnout. Everyone always thinks you're not going to make it, and then you do. And then it's always just like, oh, we knew you were going to do it the whole time. And it's like, bro, you were not supporting us at all.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And, dude, I mean, you got a crazy list of collabs. You just did one with Hollywood Undead, too. Yep. How did that feel? You know, it's really weird when things start coming full circle in the sense
0: that I listened to Hollywood Undead in middle school. Like, I remember vividly bumping them on the way to soccer practice, football practice, and all the sports stuff I was doing. Um, And then it's just like that kid never could have imagined he was just going to be making a song and dropping music with these people. Um, shout out to them. They were great. They're awesome dudes. We talked on the phone for like an hour and a half when we first started talking, just shooting the shit. They are great people. Um, and they killed the song. I mean, it's one of my best releases of the year. So shout out to them.
1: And you're fresh off a music video shoot with hoodie Allen too.
0: Yes, man. That drops tonight.
1: Oh, let's go. dude. Yeah.
0: So you're the first to know, but huge shout out to hoodie. We brought him out in New York city last
1: night. That was crazy. That gets me excited too. And the fact that you guys shot it yesterday and it drops tonight. Should say something to all the artists that are out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, we were talking and he's a busy dude. Obviously, he's Hoodie Allen and I'm on tour and I was going through New York City and he lived next to the venue we were at and it was just the stars kind of aligned and I was like, you down to just do like a last minute, figure it out as we go type thing and he was super down to run and gun it. And the video is sick. It's one of those one takes, but it's in New York City and we're like weaving through traffic and all the people, so... It's entertaining to me. I like it. I'm happy about it.
1: No, that's awesome. And the fact that you could pull it off while you're on tour is always hectic, logistic-wise. Even this podcast, you have a show tonight. You had one last night. So yeah. just squeezing in logistics, like, this stuff is possible. You just got to figure it out. You
0: just got to want it, man.
1: I'd be curious. What advice do you have to other artists that are trying to collab with artists that might bigger be bigger than them or just reaching out in general?
0: I feel like a lot of people might not know that – I mean, sometimes it just has to be a transactional thing, which is totally fine. Like, these people are running businesses, and sometimes you have to pay people for collabs. Sometimes they're your homies, so you want to work with them. But outreach, uh, I'm going to drop a crazy gem. Go to roster.cc, and you can find anyone's manager's email. And you can just hit them up and see. Like I would say probably offer money if you're a smaller artist and you want to get a hold of them. That's probably your best bet if you're going to want to land a big collab is to have money. Unfortunately, that's just how the business is. And then as you get more collabs in your repertoire and you're more established, that becomes less of a conversation and more of a homey conversation, which is where we're at now. Um but yeah, it's just, you gotta build your own stuff up. You gotta give people a reason to believe why they should work with you, why you're gonna be worthwhile as a smaller artist, whether you're killing the content game, whether you're just really freaking sick and they wanna invest in you, which does happen and I do try to do. Um, but yeah, it's just, there's many ways you could do it. Just be smart, probably have some money ready if you're a smaller artist. That's just how it is. People have to run a business and, you know, make a really good song. And sometimes some artists, you catch them on a good day and they're just like, I'll do it. But uh, sometimes not, you know?
1: Yeah, and the fact that you just dropped that website for everybody is huge because getting access sometimes is hard and they don't even know where to go. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're an artist and trying to make a collab, you know, send out those emails, try to make something happen for yourself.
0: Yeah, that's a gatekeeper secret that I learned when I signed a record deal. So that's like some music industry stuff. So go get on that. It's free, I think. So it's not anything
1: crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I want to know, too, is what did you do before you did music full time?
0: I went to college. So it's interesting, right? So I went to college and I was making OK money off music in college, but I wasn't making a living. So I got a degree uh, in health and human performance and I was training NFL players briefly when I graduated for like three weeks. And I decided having a job was not for me when I wasn't making enough money off music. And I just that's when I full sent it to L.A. with like no money. And the universe just kind of gave me a pat on the back and was like, this was the good choice. Here's your song glowing up. It's going to pay your bills. Figure it out. So I got really lucky in the sense that I didn't have to have a full-time career yet. But I will say, when I was in high school starting music, I immediately got a job so I could fund beats, so I could buy a microphone. Like, since day one, I've been willing to do whatever it takes. And that's just what you're going to have to be willing to do if you want to do this. Um, I'm not sure where I got those traits. It was just, like, instilled in me. But yeah, like as soon as I realized I needed to pay for beats and like studio equipment, I literally just got in my mom's car and drove around and found a job, which was coincidentally at the front desk of a gym. Um, And I also ran weddings like I was the server, the hors d'oeuvres dude, like as a waiter, like I was working weddings a lot. But like I said, I never had to have a full time career pre-music, but I was definitely grinding, penny pinching, finding ways to make money, finessing like service swapping if I could, like doing anything I could to to figure out how to get to the next level for sure.
1: Yeah, you had that hustle in your heart that a lot of people don't have or make excuses not to do. Yeah. So yeah, the extent that you'll go to for your career is really important. And sometimes it's the only way to make it happen until you can do it full time. High school hack. Here's what I did in high school for hustling. I would go to
0: my local grocery store and buy a dozen donuts for $3 and I would sell them for a dollar each in the morning to kids. And they, it got to a point where my principal called me in and was like, you're stealing sales from, like, our school fundraising snack cart. Like, you have to stop. Like, I was out hustling them. Uh, and I would make, like, 50 bucks a day doing that because I. it went from one box of donuts to selling three boxes of donuts because kids knew I was selling donuts. So I had, like, this donut empire, which is crazy. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I was just figuring out any way to finesse extra money so that I could figure out how to do music.
1: No, I love hearing stories like that too. It's got a big smile on my face. I want to take it back even further, dude. What's early life look like for you?
0: Life for me was good, man. It was it was suburbs. Like I can't complain about how I was raised or anything like that. Um, I'm not sure when the hustle started kicking in, but I will say this: like ever since I can remember, especially when I was a kid. If I wanted to do something, it, was, it wasn't it was just like, this is too hard. It was just like, keep working at it till you figure it out. First, it was like videos and YouTube, which is really funny. Like when YouTube first became a thing when we were kids, I had a pretty big YouTube channel actually. And it was just me like talking and vlogging. But I got banned in middle school because I had my friends click the ads as soon as I figured out I could make money. So it just got completely banned. Like there's no, none of those videos exist anymore. They took it all down. Um, and then like say freshman year of high school. Um, okay, so I'm having a revelation. All of it comes from when people doubt I can do something, basically. So, like freshman year of high school, I wanted to make varsity, and everyone's like, no one makes varsity freshman year, like you can't do it. And then I did. I like outworked everyone. I was the first one in the weight room, last one out. Coaches saw like they were like, we want to invest in this kid. Like, he he wants this shit. And so basically, I get to senior year of high school, and lo and behold, I'm bored. I'm at a party. People start freestyling and I realize I'm better at it than everyone else. Then my friend's like about to go to the Marines and he says he wants to hear a mixtape by the time he gets back as like a joke. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to drop one song and see what happens. And it was terrible. And everyone was like, don't do this. And then that's when I, the, the the switch flips in your head. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And then here we are 10 years later.
1: In that day a, f- a flame was lit in you that ended up turning you into what you are today. Yeah. So I'd be curious, what would you tell a younger you if you had the opportunity to do that? It's interesting because
0: I think the only difference maker is the worst, most boring thing you could say. Like everyone that I've seen have success in music and outside of music. The only difference is they just like didn't give up. Like, you see Arizona Zervas with his rock sand moment and then everything he has going on. You see, like, Webby with everything he has going on. He's been around for so long and just he keeps going. And then there's Prof who's blowing up right now, too, who's been around for forever. And he's just now having his big blow-up moment. Like, the only difference maker is never give up. And it's like going back to the time limit thing where it feels like you have an age limit or, like, they want all these young kids in the music industry. But like I said... Everyone I've seen doing real life things like the bands I'm on tour with who are also in their mid 30s and having their moment like it takes time to build. It takes patience. It takes years of figuring out who you are and what you want to stand for. So the only thing that I've noticed is genuinely the difference breaker is people just haven't given up and they've always ended up figuring it out. Like it's some people figure it out quicker. Some people it takes longer. I'm definitely one of the people I've realized that it takes a bit of a longer time. So I've learned to be like more patient with it. But, yeah, that's, it, it sucks that it's that boring of an answer, but it's literally just like they never gave up, and that's that's the best way you can do it.
1: It might feel boring to you because this is the life that you live, but somebody listening here, that might have been the fuel that they needed to keep going. Yeah, for sure. Because consistency is key. And I think another thing important that we can talk about is that the music industry is kind of an adapt-or-die industry yeah. where from when you started to where you're at now, things have changed a lot. So I kind of wanted to talk about, like, social media and how that has played, like, a big role in all of your rollouts and what you've seen happen from that. Dude, it's crazy. So, like, I was
0: dropping music before Spotify existed. So, like, it has literally changed a lot, and I've always been able to adapt. But, I mean, you just have to, like... It's not like you have to be good at trend spotting, but it's good. So like when Russ was coming up, he was dropping a song every week and everyone saw that. So everyone else started dropping a song a week, including me. And it it worked and it helped a lot. You just have to figure out like what's trending and stuff. The biggest thing for me on social media has obviously been TikTok. Last year, I was definitely in the same mind state as most bands where it's just like, I don't want to learn how to do this. I want the art to speak for itself. Like, I don't need to learn how to do any of this video stuff. I have a fan base, blah, blah, blah. And then you see all these kids blowing up in like cities of 50 people just because they put themselves out there. And I was like, I'm definitely having a boomer take on this. I'm going to sit down and figure out how to do it because I'm watching people become less and less relevant that are not doing it. Like I really had a moment where I was like, oh my God, I should probably figure out how to do this. And it the first week I had huge success. I went from zero to like 60,000. And then over the next year, it just kind of stayed stagnant. And then this year in January, I was like, no, I'm going to break this code and figure it out. And then around May, we finally had some crazy momentum and we're at like 360,000 followers now, 260,000 of those came this year. So again, like what I was talking about earlier, the streams are equal or, or a little lower than last year, but it's because we're out of the algorithm now and we found real fans and like There are real people now following this and not just, like, machines pushing it to people passively listening, which is massively important. Um, so it's a big year for me in the sense that, like, TikTok and stuff really brought real people to my music as opposed to just being, like, favored by Spotify's algorithm, if that makes sense. And that is the biggest difference you could ever ask for, I think, um... But yeah, like and then once you figure out TikTok, it trickles over to reels like we're having success on Instagram now. I was stuck at 40,000 followers for years just because it was going up and down with how much I was switching my sound. But we gained 20,000 followers in like the last two months now. So like obviously things are picking up. Um, So, yeah, it's just consistency. It's brutal. It's tedious. It's like all these things to try to figure that stuff out. But once you do, it's like the eureka moment where you're like, no, this really does help. And it's really important. And I'm very glad I tortured myself to get to the point where we figured out how to at least keep it consistently doing well. So we're constantly growing. It's like a machine now itself.
1: You know, someone once told me that you don't need all the fans in the world either. If you had 10,000 fans that put $100 into you a year, that's a million dollars. Yeah. And 10,000 is not that crazy and unachievable. like you gained 20,000 like followers this month, you know? Yeah. Half of them were like hardcore fans. Like you'd be at that. Yeah. That might help put it into perspective for artists that are trying to figure this out.
0: Yeah, like, that, that is definitely the most important thing. Like, even a 1,000 fans could probably pay your bills. Like, Oh,
1: yeah, like, I mean, 10,000 for a million bucks, like, before tax. Like, yeah. you, you don't need that to live good. You Dude,
0: know? even, like, a couple hundred, you know what I mean, like, at that point. But, yeah, it's definitely, I feel like it feels like you have to have, like, millions of fans, and, and that's what the internet makes you feel like, but it's not the case at all. Like, you just need a good, solid niche of people who understand you as a person, um, which is, again, why I'm trying to handshake people, meet them face-to-face on tour because I think that building that relationship is important. Because once you get those people and they have your back, you're set. And that's what's super important for sure. For me right now, at least.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what strengthens the relationship between you and the people that support you. Because a lot of the time I'll find out that people will just support you because they like you. Like They might like your music too, but if you're not the nicest person in the world... They may not support you. So I think it's important that you're a nice person as well.
0: Yeah, I think the uh the era of like unaccessible, mysterious artists is kind of fizzling out because people want like a human being they can relate to and like feel like a friend. And that's very much what I feel like I am to my fans. Uh so it's a little biased take, but I do think that people are sick of like I'm too cool to, like, come out and say, hey, like, I have no access. You can't talk to me. I'm unreachable. I don't think that's the play anymore, but that's just my personal take for sure.
1: Yeah. You know, this, this has me thinking of I toured with Watsky, right? And Watsky will do a meet and greet that, you know, fans support him at the beginning of the night. But he also makes it very known that if you're not a, in a position to, like, you know, afford the meet and greet, that he'll come out after the show at the end of the night and meet with everybody. And I always thought that was a, like he'd be out there for hours. And I always thought that was like an admirable thing that he does. So, and you know, I see it with his fans too. Like the, the support system that he has is very next level. And you know, he's been somebody who inspires me as I attempt to level up in everything as well. I mean,
0: yeah, that's the most important thing you could do as an artist is make sure you meet everyone. Like I'm doing the same thing on this tour Uh, between my set and everyone else's set for that 15 minute time span. I'm at the merch table. One person might walk by. No one might walk by. 20 people might walk by and say what's up. And then at the end of the night, if a band that you're opening for is doing meet and greets for the show, there is a chance that they won't be meeting people after the show. So it's a good time for you to do it, which is what I'm doing on this tour. I'm just sitting at the merch table for 45 minutes after every show. Whether one person says hi, whether 150 people come say hi, you just have to be willing to do, like it's not a monotonous task, but you have to be willing to do the extra mile every night to like, get things moving, and I'm definitely in that phase too where it's just like, shake every hand, make sure you say thank you to everyone because I genuinely do appreciate everyone that says uh, what's up to me after the shows. But yeah, you just have to be willing to make connections, and that's important. I've never gravitated towards a single artist that's like, Hands off, you know what I mean? Like, but that's just my opinion as a person. So I try to make sure that I'm the opposite of that for people, for sure. I'm, like, super reachable. I respond to almost every DM still, especially on tour when I'm just in the van for hours. I'll just talk with people. Um, You got to make those connections. It's super important.
1: You were an artist, an independent artist, for 10 years before you got signed. What were some of the challenges that you faced as an independent artist? Just constantly... Adapt or die, dude. Like when
0: Spotify became a thing, I was like, okay, I see where this is going. Like I wonder what the move is and how to how to approach it. And then you figure that stuff out. And then there was a time where YouTube uh channels posting your music, which I'm sure you you remember was a thing. And then even before that, I was like, how do I get on these music blogs? Because those were huge when I was in high school. Um, it's just constantly doing the adapt or die thing and, and trying to stay motivated. Like I said if you're going to start making music, the the hardest part is starting. Like, you're going to have to learn how to hustle, use your brain, be creative for cheap, probably learn how to video edit yourself, um, maybe even learn how to produce, mix, master if you really want to save money. Most important thing I did was get my ass out of the door and get a job so I could fund stuff. That's huge. Like, this is not a business for lazy people. And I realized that early and I'm telling you right now, everyone I see that's lazy now is in the same place they've been for years and it doesn't get you anywhere. So you're just going to have to put your head down for 10 years, make a lot of songs, put a lot of songs out. I'm 300 plus songs deep for the record. Like I literally have dropped 300 plus songs. Uh, just don't be scared to work hard and don't worry about the results. Just freaking put your head down, drop music Don't let don't let any yes men around you like have my friends were brutally honest when my song sucked and I felt like they were dicks when that was happening. But like growing up and lurking back, I'm like, if they never told me I sucked, I literally would not be here. So have honest friends, get real feedback from people you trust, work your ass off. And 10 years down the line, you might be where I'm at. Who knows?
1: And you said something that was crucial. Your circle is important. You know, keeping people that are motivated and honest around you is something that helps me personally. I can't keep lazy people around me because I feel like it ends up dragging me down. Yeah. But you said it was so important that being an artist doesn't end at being an artist. Yeah. You know, you're out there editing your videos, you know, working, sitting in the studio, like working on production, like sitting there, making sure every step of the way is good. I kind of want to talk about that a little bit because some artists will just put out the song and that's where that journey ends for them. Can you explain that? there's a lot more that goes into a song release than just putting out the song.
0: Yeah. And it goes back to the, the same conversation of just like, whether you're signed or not, artists will sign to a label and then they'll just expect their label to do the marketing for them. That is not the case anymore. And I'm not even like ringing on labels at all. It's just such a different environment. Like, It is crazy to me as an artist to drop music and not have a million pieces of content ready now, because I understand that like, that's how it works. Like essentially you're going to drop the song and that's like 10% of the release. And then the rest of it is just like, how do I get this heard in a market that's oversaturated now? There's millions of artists now that tens of thousands are blowing up on the internet because of TikTok. Like there's so much competition now that if you're not constantly in front of people's eyes, I do feel like they might forget about you. Like, if you go away for six months now, that's a pretty dangerous thing to do as an up-and-coming artist. Like, you have to get to a very comfortable spot as an artist to take a break now, which I think is also a critical thing to remember. And it's just because that's the way things go. Like, we're in the ADHD era of, like, music and everything. And if you're going to drop a song and just expect it to get, like, a Spotify playlist and that's what's going to make or break the song, you are incorrect, my friend. Like, you have to go market yourself you have to push stuff like you have to make a million videos you have to drop music videos you have to get in front of people's faces you have to get on tour um there's just a lot you have to do now and and again like it's not for everyone like some people don't want to have to do that and that's okay but you can't get mad about the results if you're just sitting back and relaxing your fans are going to sit back and relax too you know what i mean like you just got to keep going
1: yeah and i think that h- it goes back to hustle dude you kind of yeah. need that hustle you need that sauce Dude, I need to know, though, do you have any music industry horror stories that at a moment you were just feeling discouraged or something that happened to you that you were like, man, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, there have been multiple points
0: in my career where I felt like I was ready to sign. And the first time I was smart with it and I gave this label a song to test before I signed a contract. I was like, I want to see what you guys can do. If you really want me, you'll be willing to do a test drop. Like, I'm not going to sign anything until I know that you're legit. And they agreed to do it, and they just botched the whole release, and I don't remember what happened. I was at, like, 800 or 700,000 monthly listeners a couple years ago, and I dropped to 300 in a month because, like, it didn't hit my release radar, and they did something weird, and it screwed my algorithm up. And that, that's, again, going back to the algorithm thing that I'm just not a fan of anymore, relying on it. Um, and so my stuff crashed, and I was like, this is it. Like, this is my moment where I trusted the industry, and it ruined everything. And then... Again, dude, I was like, no, it's not like I'm me. I can figure out a way out of this, and I grind it. It took, like, two years to get my numbers back up. That It really screwed my stuff up. But I just went back and just dropped a song every week again, was like, I'm going, I'm going as hard as I can to build this back up. And you can. And that would be the biggest music industry horror story I have. The rest is just, like, people are weird and shady and, like, There's a lot of illegal things going on behind the scenes of like monopoly building where booking agents are signing people and putting them on tours so they make more money or like lawyers are signing people and making people who owe them favors do stuff for their artists. Like that stuff is not allowed, but it's just happening behind the scenes. And it's just like raising awareness of that where you're just like, oh, this is like a cheater's game. Like there are people really cheating to get to where they are. And I'm just like, I feel good about myself at the end of the day because I've never done anything weird or like sketchy or stepped on anyone to get to where I'm at, which is also a big thing that I stand for. It's just like I've seen it time and time again. Good people win. And here we are. Like I'm not the biggest artist in the world, but I have done everything I've ever wanted to do plus a thousand things. So everything's just a bonus at this point for me. Um yeah, like the music industry is a weird place that I don't like a lot and I don't really feel like I'm in it too much with this independent label where I have like say over everything and like no one can really tell me what to do. I value their input tremendously. I'm not saying like I just take their bankroll and like roll out at the end of the day. Like they're good people who I think care and that's also important. Um, It's like a very good community niche that they have going on. Like every week they throw a party for everyone to come hang out and just like talk at the label and just be friends and be friendly, which I wasn't seeing at any other label. So yeah, man. Music industry, weird place, bad people. I don't really like it that much. I don't even really associate with with it really. Um, I still feel pretty independent. And that's important for me too, is just like dip your toes in where you need to do it in the industry, but also just like I'm out. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And I think you said something that's important to me and just staying true to yourself, because if you can do everything that you're doing and stay true to yourself, I think you'll actually be happy Yeah, because I think if you start stepping on people and There's got to be something in you that just, like... I mean, there are pretty bad people that maybe they don't feel. Yeah. But I think there's got to be something where it's, like, ah, like, you know, keeps them up at night. So, I don't know. I think there's just something important about being true to yourself.
0: Yeah, and another thing to keep in mind about the music industry, which is another revelation I've had recently. Respectfully, like, most people in the music industry are failed musicians. So, take everything that they tell you with a grain of salt. Like a lot of people have a chip on their shoulder because you're living their dream. So always keep in mind that the people that are trying to build you, I'm not saying they're bad at their job or like coming at anyone in particular, but just like seeing people at some of these labels that I've talked to and stuff that have no idea what they're talking about. It's like always remember to trust your gut and your instinct first before you try to like let a label come in and tell you what to do because most artists that sign to labels don't end up ever breaking. It's something like 1% or like something ridiculous uh, to these major labels. So just a gentle reminder that you probably know what's best for you.
1: Yeah. And the thing is I always tell people that like you're the captain of your ship. Like if you're Ryan Oaks, you're not, you can't depend on anybody but Ryan Oaks to steer that ship. yeah So you got to make those calls and I see a lot of artists, you know, they'll fall to the wayside because they don't make those calls. They expect somebody to do it for them. And then six to six months goes by and then all of a sudden nothing's happened. And they're like, oh, my God, like, you know, so you got to run your own ship over there and make the place for yourself because no one's going to do it for you. and No one cares nearly yeah. as much as you do. Yeah. And, and again,
0: just talking to more friends of mine that that never thought they would sign that ended up signing were just like, as soon as you sign that record deal, it's still up to you to blow yourself up.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really important for artists yes. to know. This is something that I'm sure you know, but the music industry could be very mentally taxing. So, what keeps you from keeping like a positive mindset because there's a lot of things that aren't guaranteed, so it feels like a roller coaster of emotion sometimes. Like, how do you deal with your mental health in the music industry?
0: Man, it is a roller coaster for sure. I mean, I'm very big. I've always been good about going to therapy. Um, like just once a week rant about stuff. Like sometimes I go there I'm like, I don't have anything to talk about because I feel good. And then other times it's just like the worst week ever. It's definitely very taxing, but it also helps that we can just go write a song about it. You know what I mean? So music has always been therapeutic to me. Uh, I have a great support system for my fiance. She's the best. And yeah, just going in and writing a song and talking to my therapist and relying on that support system. Like I couldn't ask for anything more than that where dude, when I'm like upset about music, I am genuinely the worst person. Like I'm like, this sucks. Like I'm always so down on myself. And then I'll go to therapy or I'll go write a song where I just like let it all loose. And then that's the best like cathartic feeling ever where you make a really good song about something that was bothering you. Um, there. yeah, there's a lot of ways to do it. Like even journaling I've been big on recently, just like manifest journaling, like what your future life could look like if everything works out. And that puts you in a good mood because instead of being like, what if this goes wrong? It's like, what if this goes right? And then that shifts your mindset. Uh, Stuff like that has been crucial for me to like not lose my mind for sure.
1: Yeah, and you seem like someone who's got the hustle, who's very triumphant. Have you ever had a moment where you're like – music's not for me or have you it doesn't seem like all you have all the time really dude, yeah. dude
0: Okay, yeah it's I mean dude it's hard like no one said this was easy and, and when you see someone get somewhere faster than you when you feel like you're working harder than them it's discouraging and you're like maybe they are really better than me or like maybe I am not that good and stuff like that um because let's be honest, like, you have to fuel your ego a little bit to get far. Like, you have to believe you're a good artist and convince yourself you're the next big thing, which is also hard to do when you see someone who's, like, you feel is not as good as you. And I'm sure we've all had that moment where you're like, how did this guy get here before me, you know? Um, so, yeah, like, all the time where you wake up and you see your Spotify monthly listeners take a little dip, I'm sure we all have that moment where we're just like, what? How? Like, I'm working so hard. Uh And then you realize that that's okay. Like, again, this is all algorithm-based stuff that, like, people are freaking out about, which is, again, what I've realized recently. Because you know when you're going up hundreds of thousands of followers on social media, you're building real fans, and that's all that matters. Like, I try not to get my head too wrapped around those numbers, but I know every artist sees, like, is checking their Spotify monthly listeners all the time and hoping they go up. But that also doesn't mean, like, those are people that care about your songs. Like that could be a passive listener that's like cleaning their house. It's never going to listen to it again. So just like trying to approach stuff like that logically where it's just like, yeah, maybe my numbers dropped today, but my TikTok went up a thousand followers because I had a good post. Like we're still getting seen and heard and raising awareness of what's going on. So once I kind of got over the freak out mindset this year by having a really good manager that like can level head me and like show me how to approach things logically. Um... Because it is hard when you see someone get a tour over you and you didn't get it and you're like, why did they get it over me or stuff like that? There's really no rhyme or reason to it. It's just what happened in that moment to me and I like stopped taking it so personal because it's not really a personal industry. Um, But yeah, just like kind of stuff like that, just approaching everything logically and level-headed and trying to break down that it's kind of out of your control so you might as well just not freak out and just keep your head down and keep going.
1: And your Spotify, your streams, they're not your stock value. I think when you start to focus on the numbers, you kind of lose what's important, which is creating the best music that you possibly can. I know it's important to focus, like, you know, look at the numbers and, you know, act accordingly, but you shouldn't obsess over it to the point where it makes you unhappy. So I think that's something that's important. And what's something you do? Because I know artists constantly compare themselves to other people, like you were saying, like, you know, is there anything that's helped you not compare yourself or just focus on your own journey?
0: I can't say I'm not guilty of it because we're all going to be guilty of it forever of just comparing to other people, but I will say I've always been really good at me versus me as well, and that, again, goes back to having honest friends, being like, this song is not good. Make a better song. Uh, So all you can do as an artist is listen to your newest song and then go into the studio and try to beat it every day, and you're not going to beat it every day, and that's completely normal. I used to freak myself out about that too where I'd have like – a month where I just wasn't writing stuff I was liking and I hit a block and then I'd freak out and be like, oh my God, I lost it. Like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I suck at this. And then you wake up the next day and you write the best song. That's going to change your life. Like, it's just you versus you. I wake up every day and I try to beat myself and I know that some days I'll be tired or like there's stuff outside of art that affects art that you can't really control. Um, So yeah, you just have to be... I, I'm just really good at being realistic, I think. While also... Having very unrealistic goals that I sometimes hit and sometimes don't, but yeah, the biggest thing is just to try to beat yourself every single day. You might not, and don't freak out if you don't. But like the next day, you will. So just keep going.
1: Yeah, and what you you just got it. It's like one percent better each day. Yeah, and you've been doing that for ten years, so that yeah. stacks up. You know, like if you're comparing where you're at now compared to where you started, it's like two different people.
0: Yeah, go listen to the Jack Harlow song and let me know what you think. But uh, yeah, and he, and I'll say this like. I am 11 years in, and, like, music is paying for everything for me. Like, it's my full-time job. I just now think I'm good enough to, like, break to the next level. Like, some people might get that in two years. Like I said, for some reason, it usually takes me longer to get the hang of things, which is fine because I eventually do, and then it ends up how I wanted it to be. But there's no timer on things. Like, whatever you're doing, it just takes some people might blow up in a year and then they fall off in a year, but I've come up over 10 years. So maybe I'll have another 10 years. You know what I mean? So, everything is different and it's just you versus yourself and trying to figure out where you want to be. And again, going back to not giving up, as long as you're just willing to take time and be patient with yourself and figure it out, you'll get to where you want to go.
1: And we've kind of talked a little bit about like lower moments, but I need to know, was there a moment that you felt truly unstoppable?
0: Well, I got that crazy record deal. I signed that, you know, 99.99999% of artists will never get. And that was a crazy moment for me. I had actually been like, actively trying to manifest the exact deal I got and it finally hit. And that was a crazy moment where I was like, "Whoa, maybe manifestation is real. But um, definitely that. I mean, definitely even this tour, dude, where it's just like so validating. You know, I've had all these online numbers for probably six years now since like my stuff has started to get a lot of traction and you just wake up and you check the numbers every day and you don't see a face or you don't see like a person vibing out to your music. Like, this whole tour I've been on, I know most of these people don't know who I am because it's an interesting crossover. Like, I'm a much more rapper on a much more rock alternative punk tour. And I was a little worried how it was going to translate. But you see, like, a thousand plus people every night, like, vibing to your music. And it's, like, tangible. And you can meet them. And, like, real life is so much better than the internet in that aspect where – things become tangible when you see real life results. Like obviously it's great to have the numbers up. You know, you're making money online and that's fantastic and you you don't have to worry about it. But seeing real life people jam out to your music to me is the most rewarding thing. So that is like where I get my high from the music stuff. Um, And then I'm not, I'm not at it right now, but like when I was over a million monthly listeners on Spotify was gnarly. That's always very validating seeing like big numbers and I'm sure I'll get back up there again, but Yeah. Just like stuff like that has been very motivating. It's like validating too, where you're like, I'm not crazy. I can do this. Uh, yeah, that's definitely where I get my motivation and satisfaction from.
1: I think you have to believe in yourself before the world does. That's always been something that I preach is that no one's going to believe in you for you. It's just something that you kind of got to get up and just be like, I am Ryan Oaks. I am doing this today. And I think that goes into what you said about, you know, manifestation. But I really, really do believe in talking things into existence. Yeah. Where if you keep talking about something, you're like, I'm going to do this. Like eventually you get fed up with yourself and you're like, you just do it, you know? So yeah. Do you find that there's a lot of situations recently that you may have like talked yourself into and like were said you were going to do something for a long time and then you finally did it?
0: Definitely this like figuring out social media stuff and blowing myself up. Like that was a long time coming. That was a big one. And then also just like getting on the road this year. Like I headlined my first tour ever, which was really scary to do. I'm sure every artist before the first tour, they're like, is anyone going to show up to these shows? Like, I have no idea. I've never headlined, but it went great. Uh, And that was a big, another big moment was just like a long time coming. 10 years in, like I just headlined my first tour, like I'm sure a lot of people are like, Oh, that is crazy. Like that takes time. Uh, that was really crazy though. I was not expecting as good as a turnout as we got. And it was just like really rewarding for me. I was like, okay, this is really working. Like there are real people all over the country coming to these shows that care. They're excited to be there. It was great. And then getting this tour as well, where it's just like in two weeks, I got in front of like 15,000 new people that had no idea who I was. And a lot of them liked my music. Like Again, just validating having that tangibility of being in person and like seeing people like your stuff. That has definitely been a long time coming for sure.
1: The risk can be scary, but the reward is always fantastic if it hits. What's Ryan Oaks message to all the dreamers, the creators, the artists out there that are just trying to get into this, trying to get started and really need to believe in themselves?
0: My strategy has always just been to outwork everyone who's talented because I did not start off talented. Like again, this all stemmed from people telling me I couldn't do something and I'm just really stubborn. So it's always just like people will say one in a million people make it and they make it seem like it's just because they like got a lottery ticket and that's how they made it. But it's just literally one in a million people are willing to do what I did, which is just outwork everyone constantly. Like even now, dude, I lose sleep over, like, what's my next strategy? Like, how can we elevate things? Like, you just have to constant. like, they say you should always step back and, like, acknowledge your accomplishments, which I do. But oh, everyone's always like, you're not doing this enough because I'm always like, that removes the hunger. To me, at least, and I'm not trying to sound toxic, but I think you get what I mean, where it's just like, you always have to be hungry and and willing to find what that next move will be. But also, like, give yourself a pat on the back. Like, when I accomplish things, I'll just be like, good job, Ryan, and then move on. Like, And i that's enough for me. I'm not like – but a lot of people say that's weird. But the point is just like, again, all my friends that have made it and had massive success, uh, they just never gave up. And there's a million different ways you can make it in the music industry. Like, if you don't want to be that famous artist, you could songwrite. You could do sync stuff, which has been big for me this last year. Um, there's a million different ways you can make it in music than just being a famous artist. So keep that in mind too. And yeah, just don't give up, keep working. And if you're like me and you're not talented and you still want to do it, all you have to do is outwork everyone. It sounds a lot easier said than done, but it's doable. So yeah.
1: And you know what? You brought up one thing that I thought is interesting with sync, dude, you got on WWE this year.
0: I was on TV two weeks ago. That was also crazy. Yeah. We went, we sent them a song about a year ago and we didn't really hear back. They just were like, Yeah, yeah, we'll get back to you. And we were just like, okay, this isn't gonna be a thing. And then a month and a half ago, they were like, yo, it's the thing. And it's also like right outside LA. You wanna come be on TV and like we'll shout you out and do all this crazy stuff? And I was like, yeah. So two weeks ago, I went to the WWE event, which was the coolest thing I've ever done, by the way, in person. It is amazing. And they threw me on the TV. They constantly paused the event to be like, Ryan Oaks is here. Heavyweight is a song. Go stream it. I've never seen someone push a song like that. That's like a huge shout out to the WWE. Um, and maybe I have a song and a movie coming out soon. You know, maybe.
1: Oh, let's go, dude. Yeah, and you know, I think there's one more thought I want to talk about. And I think it's kind of like I see a lot of people put deadlines on themselves where they're like, if I don't do this in this time frame, you know, I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. What do you say to like artists that like put those deadlines on themselves? I never hit the deadline. Like
0: I literally do the same thing and I never hit the deadline and then I'll just, it'll just happen at a later date. Like same thing with my record deal. I've been trying to manifest the perfect record deal for like eight years. And I'd be like, this is like, at every, at the start of every year, I write down my goals for the year and I make sure some are outrageous, but some are also realistic. I never hit the outrageous ones, but it just gives you motivation to push for it, which ends up getting you further down the line, I think, um, but yeah, I, every time I set an outrageous goal for myself, I never hit the deadline. And even on some realistic ones, you don't hit the deadline. And it's just like the most excruciating part about life is time. And that's all it takes. And I'm very impatient, so I totally feel for people that want it right now. But as long as you're willing to give yourself time, like I said, look at these people in their mid-30s right now. I think more people in their 30s are blowing up than 18-year-olds right now it's all time. They just didn't give up. They sat there comfortably, probably a little uncomfortably when you're in your thirties, worried about it, but, uh, they just trusted their gut, dude. Like just follow whatever you think life is pushing you in direction wise. And it's going to be the right thing. That's all I got.
1: Yeah, dude. No, that's great, man. I super appreciate you coming out on the pod too. It's been a super fun episode and taking the time while you're on tour. Is there anything, so this is going to come out around like the first week of November. Okay. So is there anything you want to plug or anything you want to talk about? I got
0: two songs dropping before the year's over, one single November, another with Masked Wolf in December. Let's go, dude. Uh, that'll be sick. New song with Hoodie Allen is out now. Stream that. It's going to be fun. And, uh, yeah, I'll see y'all hopefully on the road uh, winter, spring.
1: No, that's great. Uh, one thing I just want to say is that I've been holding this mic the whole time because it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So if anyone wondering why. There it is. There it is. That's a wrap, Ryan.